Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Super Coach Mates. Well, round six is done and dusted. Um, obviously a big weekend of Anzac Day football with four days used. Um, so I've got both Thomas and Jonas who's back from his holiday. Um, so I'm just going to get stuff straight into it. Um, so just let me bring up the slides so you guys can see them real quick. There we go. Um, so I'm going to throw this one to you, Thomas. Um, so Lockie Whitfield, who unfortunately I still own, and he's causing me a world of pain at the minute. Another 70 score. Um, in fact, Thomas has muted himself. Uh, I'll have to throw this one to no, you. No, I'm right, I'm right. Oh, good. Uh, sorry about that. That's going to hopefully get cut. Um, so another 70, sub-70 score. Um, he's letting himself down, really. What What would you do if you had Lockie Woodfield, Thomas? I know I think you've got rid of him. What, what would you do if you had him? Um, yeah, it makes it difficult because, as I said there, he scored sub-70 in Supercoach, but obviously 101 in Fantasy. So he's obviously getting the pill in some description, but he's using it pretty poorly. Obviously, yourself, Nathan, and, and Jonas both have him. Um, but, yeah, it's a little bit concerning. I guess there's not much really can, you can do now. He's dropped up a fair bit of cash. Oh, wouldn't even say he dropped a fair bit of cash. He dropped about 60-odd K, which is not the worst in the world. He got moved to a wing, I'm pretty sure, in the fourth quarter. He started racking up the pill pretty quickly. Um and scored about 30 points within the space of 20 minutes, which is what he's capable of. So I guess most people that have gotten wanted to get rid of him, me including, um, have gotten rid of him, and, and I guess that was the time to get do so. And I think you, because you've got him now, he's probably not the worst DPP person to have in the, in the side. Um, but, yeah, you could do worse to trade him then, I guess, if you want someone else. But I guess in this scenario... Pretty sure we've seen the worst of him at the moment, and I think you can only go up with him at this at this time. I don't think you can get worse than what he's producing at the moment, unfortunately. He's not producing much, I don't think. Anyway, um, so Braden Proust, so he was on the bubble last week, got another 117, so he has gone up by $94,000, I think. Yeah, yeah, $93,700. So he's now $298,000. Um, if you don't have Braden Proust, um, Jonas, would do you think you can still bring him in at that elevated price? I think so, given the fact that uh, Grundy's gone down, sort of opened up a rough spot. Would I be bringing him in over Sam Hayes? Probably not at that elevated price now. But if you've got Sam Hayes, or you can bring Sam Hayes and Proust in this week, I'd still look at doing that because his ceiling is too good to pass up on and he should still be able to make at least 150000 from the price he's already at at the moment, which is circling around 300 Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. So do you guys, just off topic, do you guys both bring Bruce in last week? Yeah. yeah. Did you bring him in, Jonas? I brought him in the week earlier of his suspension. Okay. Because um, I'd Hayes on the bench who went like a hundred plus, and wanted yeah. to get that on the field. That's fine. Uh, moving on. So next game. So Tom Libertoy, five hundred thirty-five thousand dollars scored, a hundred thirty-seven. Um, can we pick him up in the forward line? Um, I'm gonna throw this one to you, Thomas, because um, yeah, I, I don't know what to do with Liber. I think he's too inconsistent. Yeah, I think he is. Um, probably helped that Hunter was gone. They did a bit of a reshuffle. Um, but he seemed to predominantly play. I didn't actually watch that game. I was out. So I didn't see where he predominantly played, but I'm pretty sure he played most of the time in the midfield from what yeah, I he heard. Did. Yeah, he And did. racked up I a lot of CBAs. Um, dogs generally do pretty well with him in the midfield. Um, I don't know if that had a knock-on effect to McRae's... Um, McRae's scoring in that game because he obviously scored sub 100 and apparently played stints in the in the forward line at some point. Um, but I think this is the case where 535 is probably way too expensive for Libba. Maybe if it was 450, I'd take the punt on him because, as I said, he's capable. If he plays midfield, he pretty much scores hundreds because of his tackling pressure. 
and his clearance work around stoppage, which helps a fair bit. But yeah, I'd say 535 is you're paying significant overs for someone that is pretty volatile in scoring. If you knew that he was going to be that third midfielder guaranteed, um, I'd be happy to pay that. But because you got McRae and Dunkley, as well as Bontempelli occasionally going through, Bailey Smith's now playing large chunks on time on field, as we as we spoke about last week. Um, I think he's just not worth the, the price because even though he can score quite highly, they did play Adelaide as well, who, you know, aren't the most um, aggressive team around around the mid stopping their opposition scoring super coach wise. So I guess he's one that I'll be happy to pass up on for now until I see consistency in his scoring. Yeah, and I think I think Adelaide right now, I think they're the number one sided scoring from stoppage. So the fact he was able to do that was quite impressive against the strong stoppage side. Um, so Jonas, is Riley O'Brien an option for Brodie Grundy if you have Grundy? Um, short answer, probably no, because you've got so many good sheep rock options at the moment that can almost match O'Brien's scoring in the short term. I think you're better off banking the money and then using the cash you save um, in another line. And then I think, I'm not sure if Riley O'Brien's a top two to three ruck anyway. Rather wait for Gorn. Maybe um, Darcy comes good. Even Grundy apparently is avoiding surgery, so he may return as well. I don't think um, he's the worst option, but in saying that, I'd rather be spending an extra... 80,000, 100,000, and getting a primo mid in another line, for example, who will probably outscore O'Brien by about 10 points at least each game. Yep, I, I think that's pretty fair. Um, so, um, Billy Frampton, who's probably had a bit of a, I guess he's stalled a little bit, um, reinvented himself as a key defender, and he's actually scoring quite all right, um, including 124 on the weekend. And he's priced at $331,000. Um, is he a cheap option in the forward line, Thomas, given that he might receive that defensive eligibility in the next DPP changes? Um, probably it's a bit of a risky one. Obviously, it's a big POD. I think not many people would go him just because of the namesake and, and how he's – obviously, this is a first year where he's – predominantly changed defender. Um, I don't know the reasoning behind him moving to a defence. I'm, I'm guessing it could be just to reinvent, as you said, his career a little bit. Um, and he's a tall body down there. I think he's actually scored okay. Um, he started off scoring 70s, then scored a 90-odd and 120, obviously. He did play against Jamar Eaglehagen, who's probably not um, the worst person to play against. He scored pretty well. Um, as he's a pretty young kid to play against. But I guess Frampton's not too old as well. But I guess he's one that um, we'll talk about later. Tristan Jerry is a bit of a concern this week, I think, with CCJ coming back in again. Um, so I don't know if it's worth you could, you know, via if you needed, say, you were going to copper like a donut because, say, Jerry was out or, or you, you're running out of rookie forward options. Wouldn't be the worst person in the world. He's got a... Um, pretty low break even, so he's guaranteed to make you a bit of money in the short run with that 124 in his cycle. Um, I probably like Connor Rosie a bit better if you want to go down that route of a significantly cheaper option to kind of spice up your team. Um, I know we spoke about this off air with Jonas, uh, mentioning it's pretty hard to make up ground at the moment if you're stuck behind the pack, just because I guess everyone's got the same team at the moment, which doesn't help. They do. Um, and you miss out on, say, one player's score. And it kind of stuffs your week up. So it's made it a bit difficult to kind of make up significant ground as as per previous years. I think um, I was able to say last year I was able to significantly make up ground within, say, five rounds, whereas we're now in round five. And we've all been in the pretty much same boat where we've had one shit week and it's kind of cost us big time. And I guess it's been even harder to, to jump back into the, the top 5K or whatever. Um, but, yeah, he's one that... I would be, I'd say there's crazier options if you went him. Um, and he could be one that could really rejig your season a little bit, um, make a bit of quick cash and, and flick him onto someone else. But 
it shows, I think the positive thing with him is he's, he's able to score those 130s, which is not frequent in, in forward players. No, it's not. And uh, just touching on his point of difference, he's currently in 279 sides. So that is what I call a point of difference. Yeah, um, it's non-existent at the moment. <laughs> I will just, just off topic here, just before we move on, Um, I will say if you've still got Josh Rochelle, um, this is probably the week to get rid of him. His break even is 85. Um, so if you've still got him, um, I think this is a week to get rid of him because um, he's probably going to start going down. Um, given his break even. Um, so speaking of Connor Rosie, so um, I might throw this one back to you, Thomas, since you've just spoken about Billy Frampton. So uh, $398,000, um, break even on minus 13, being playing in the midfield for Port Adelaide. Um, can he keep this midfield role and is he an option as a forward? Um, I don't think he's an option as a forward. I think he's an option as a midfielder and, and only if he's a midfielder. So I've been seeing some messages from some other people. Obviously, he's pretty keen on Rosie. Just got up now. Um, yeah, it, it's it's an interesting one. There are apparently people that have watched Port play, obviously more close than I have, have said that Boke's been pushed forward um, a bit more. He I don't know been. why. So that obviously means that Rosie gets pushed back in. Obviously, Butters had a bit of an illness this week, which uh, and then it copped a fair knock from Shuey, which probably didn't help early on. No. Uh, and then ended up stuck on a half-forward flank the whole time in that game and just really didn't do anything. I think it was pretty crook himself. And obviously, that made um, Rosie dominate that game. Obviously, against West Coast, depleted midfield as well definitely helps. Um, it's a tough one because I don't think you can wait on Rosie, maybe you can wait one week, I'd say, but you've already missed out on the 91 and 152. However, I think, yeah, he's one that I've considered um, potentially, but I've probably gone cold on him a little bit. I might reconsider it if someone like a Tristan Jerry doesn't get picked and say Hugh Dixon is still out, for example. Um, but he's one that's interesting because if you do pick him now, um, you're probably ahead of the pack a little bit in the fact that people will probably start to notice him after he gets that price rise or significant price rise by scoring kind of three solid scores. He obviously plays our boys um, up in Cairns, which is a pretty wet deck. So I don't know how well it'll go naturally in that game um, as a kind of silky for a uh, silky midfielder. Well. But who knows? It's a tough one. It says, um, yeah, the main one is if Butters comes back in the midfield, how did, how that affects Rosie. But it's one that I think if you want to take the risk, I don't know, I don't think it's a significant risk just because of his price and the way the rookies have been going in the forward line. They've been doing pretty well. So I'd say this week would be the week if you want to take a punt on him. Yeah, and just touching on both. So I watched, um, I think it was on the couch, and they said he's pretty much playing two-thirds as a midfielder and one-third as a forward. So um, with him playing a third of the game up forward, it's allowing these younger guys to get into that midfield. Um, so Sam Hayes, is he must-have rookie of round seven? And can you trade Grundy down to Hayes, which is actually what I'm considering doing myself? Um, what do you think, Jonas? Yeah, that's probably the most straightforward move you can make. It frees up so much money, and he's scoring pretty well. Lowe's tank hasn't been great. His ability to to tap it to um his Port Adelaide midfielders is up there as almost the best in the game. So with Lysett out still for a while, he should be able to make some, some good amount of money and hopefully get to, like, 350K. So I think... It's a pretty good move, particularly given the fact that a lot of the rookies this week scored really poorly, so the cash generation is going to be drying up. And with not that many rookies on the horizon that are going to make good money, I think Hayes is one you just need to get in now so that you've got that avenue for cash generation, which you can then use later on. I'll throw this to you. What if you don't have Brandon Proust? Can you still get Sam Hayes down to Grundy? Or can you still get Hayes in for Grundy if you don't have 
cruises your R3. So, like, if you're running a Gorn... So, like, if you've got, say, Gorn Grundy and then uh, um, other Akimi guy from Carlton or whatever his name is, the 102k bench warmer, can you still do Grundy to Hayes and play Gorn and Hayes as your second ruckman? Yeah. Yeah, you can do that. I think, as far as rookies go, he's probably the one you'd want to field over, like, a, a Horn Francis... Um, even a Dacos potentially, and whoever you're running at F6, I think um, Hayes can average at least 80 for the next few weeks and make some good money. And looking at his fixture, he plays St Kilda, which is a tough matchup, and then potentially Bulldogs against Stefan Martin. I'm not sure. How good he is still, and I don't know if Tim English will be back. And then he's got North Melbourne, so not the worst. And then he's got Geelong, so not the worst um, fixture. Obviously not the best, but he's shown the ability to score half well against um, West Coast and Carlton. So I think he can go 80-plus from here, which at the moment is pretty fine. Yeah, he's only luck-eligible, Sam Hage, which I think sort of... Hurts him a little bit. If he was rough forward, I think he'd be more wanted. But I think he's definitely the must-have rookie of the week. Um, so Alex Witherden. So um, has started off the season a little bit quiet, and ever since round four, I think he's gone 120 plus in his last three games. Uh, Collingwood, yet yeah, 127, 134, 152. Um, is this guy? Uh, someone who we've all missed out on, uh, Thomas. Um, probably yes. Uh, he's like five seventy now or something, pretty ridiculous. Yeah, five seventy. Yeah. Um, pretty much. I think he's he's kind of the main kicker out of that West Coast side. Probably helps that McGovern's been out, um, injured with uh, out with COVID protocols, I think, or something like that for the last two weeks, which I guess is more ball for him down there. So. I probably wouldn't be bringing him now. I think he missed the boat with these really big tons um, and going quite berserk in the defence. It'd be nice, interesting to see if McGovern coming back impacts his score long-term or if he's just going to keep trundling with 120s. I think if that's the case, you probably have to bring him in at some point purely because of the amount of ball that's going to go through West Coast's defence. And I think he's just going to um, relish that. It's a similar thing he did... Um, in Brisbane, I'm pretty sure where he would come in when Rich was injured and, and really dominate, and that was when Brisbane was was struggling a little bit um, when the ball was out down there a fair bit. So I think he just gets a lot of uncontested ball and, and uses it pretty well by foot. And I think that's what West Coast recruited him for, and he's kind of the uh, the heir to to Shannon Hearn in, in a sense. And I think when Shannon Hearn's gone, he'll be a lot more relevant going forward, taking kickouts most likely as well. Yeah, and I think the fact that West Coast are a basket case at the minute is probably helping his scoring as well because the ball's just spending so much time down in that West Coast back line. Yeah. Um, so, Patrick Cripps, so 521000 Um Is he underpriced because he's still got that 38 in his cycle, which I think is going to stay in there for one more week? Um, so this is probably the week to get him in if you haven't got him. Um, do you agree with that, Jonas? Yeah. If you're paying 520k for someone who's averaging effectively 130, I think that's yeah, pretty much big, as big of a bargain as you can get. But yeah, I think. I think with his break even being 125, he does play yeah. North Melbourne. If you're tossing up between him and, say, Oliver, I'd get Oliver and then look at Cripps next week. Yep. And um, so Tom DeConing, who's uh, Ford Ruck Carlton, $333,000. Um, obviously, with the news that Mark Pidney is going to be out for the next three months with that PCL, um, DeConing probably becomes Carlton's number one Ruckman. Um, can he be a good Ruck forward option, um, Thomas. 
at that point? Um, potentially. I think with De Conning, in comparison to Hayes, for example, I think De Conning is still going to score pretty well. Um, showed it when Pitney came out um, that he was able to kind of score naturally pretty well just based on hitouts. Um, who did they play last week? They played Frio. Who was it? Frio, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Played Fremantle. Yeah, Frio, who um, obviously lost Sean Darcy as well. So um, to concussion, I'm pretty sure. So we did okay in that sense. I think he scored 94. Um, he's one that I don't think it's probably worth it. I think he'll still get pretty manhandled around the ruck contest. He's He's someone, as Supercoach puts it, ruck forward status. He's probably more predominantly a forward than a ruck. He's still growing into his body a little bit. Um, I think Carlton are going to suffer because of that. Because um, I think it's going to be difficult for them to maintain stoppage dominance as they have been in the in the, in the the earlier section of the season. So I guess it'd be one, if he was maybe 100k cheaper, I'd entertain it. But 330k is a bit of an awkward price. That's pushing into kind of mid-price territory where you're picking them with the with the opportunity to easily move to a premium. But, yeah, I'd say he's going to get tired at some point and you just will be knackered around stoppages. I think they're going to have to bring in someone else to help him out a little bit. Yep, and everyone should have seen that coming last week because I said last week exactly what happened on Saturday night. I said that Carlton would win the midfield or the clearance battle and they'd get smashed on turnover. So everyone should have known that already. But, yeah, with Pidney being out, um, it's going to really hurt Carlton. Um, so moving on. So with a score of 102, can Luke McDonald be a cheap defender option with Hall being out for, I don't know, I think he's out for two months or something, um, Jonas? Um, I don't think it's the worst option, but with the amount of trades we have, like, are we really going to, be picking all these speculative players who have durability issues. I don't really want to. I, I just want to get the the guaranteed top six defenders. And Luke McDonald has already scored 40 or something in a full game. And so don't really want to be bringing in a player who, who has such a low floor and durability problems. So he's a, bit, he's a pass for me. Yeah, I think he's a pass for me as well. Um, the other thing too, so um, Ollie Dempsey, Oliver Dempsey played his first game, scored 65, but actually did some nice things um, for Geelong. Um, how strong is his job security? Um, I'm going to throw this one back to you, Jonas. How strong is <laughs> Dempsey's job security given Geelong seemed to want to play fossils instead of young kids um hard to get a read on it he was playing a north melbourne outfit who lost by like 10 goals so yes, that, they did. the forwards were gonna gonna go all right i think he showed some good signs but i wouldn't be going early on him if he scores say 80 next week um as a 102k player certainly bring him in then, but I wouldn't be going early on him because Geelong are a contending side who probably want to be fielding the most experienced players week in, week out. So there's there's probably a few players waiting in the wings to take his spot the second he has a, a mediocre game. So, um, yeah, I definitely want to be bringing him in knowing he's going to make some form of money. But if he gets dropped next week, he's going to make nothing. So it's a bit scary. Yeah, and um, I don't know if Thomas is there. Um, oh, no, he's back. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm just having been at work all day, so having dinner now. So no, no, that's fine. I'm just going to throw this one to you. <laughs> I was just going to throw this one to you. So with CCJ, so Cullen Coleman-Jones yeah. um, dominating in the VFL, I think he's just about – North Melbourne's best player in the VFL. Um, can you move Tristan Zeri on early if he comes back in and starts taking some of that ruck, Tom? Um, probably. I think it's not the worst thing in the world. I'd probably assume that people have more pressing issues on their plate. Um, 
Unfortunately, with St Kilda's Jack Hayes gone for the season probably doesn't help because Hayes was doing pretty well and scoring quite consistently when he is playing. Um, yeah, I don't know why you... I don't really understand North's um, philosophy around bringing these three tools. I'm assuming if they bring in CCJ, they'll drop um, Sherry. Or not drop him, but give him a rest. It probably would be the case because um, I think David Noble mentioned somewhere that they were happy with um, Todd Goldstein still playing and giving rest later in the season. Um, but I just can't see the three tools working well with North. As I said in a previous podcast, they're pretty, unlike St Kilda's three tools, for example, when we played Hayes, Marshall and um, Ryder, these guys are a lot more, less mobile, I think. Um, oh, be, you know, no debatable, but definitely not um, as as potent as what they could be poten- potentially with, with how bad North's going at the moment. Um, so I guess... I'd be careful because I think CCJ is still a decent option on field when he plays because he takes that predominant ruck. But um, if you're moving him on, I'd be wanting to moving on to an Uber premium just to nullify any uh, potential loss in cash um, if CCJ, if uh, Sherry continues any good form coming into the next couple of games. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Um, so, Took Miller, so... Hasn't set the world on fire the last couple of weeks. Um, are we concerned with his scoring, Jonas? Since I think you're in the, I think in fact I think you're both in the Tuke Miller fan club. Yeah. Um, are you concerned with his scoring, um, Jonas? A bit. Um, he gave away a few silly free kick free kicks at the start of the game, and did well to recover. Look, put it this way: he plays Collingwood this week. If he doesn't go above. 110, I will be concerned. His work rate seems to be there. I think the tackle numbers and the marks have dropped off a bit, but I'm expecting a big game this week without Grundy. Seeing what Parrish did, if this guy can't get 115, I think some something's off. Um, yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I, I'd be looking for Miller to bounce back as well. Well, the yeah. concern, just before you move on to Bailey, the concerning thing is, is Wits is dominating the ruck. Um, yeah, he is. So it is kind of strange. I thought that a fully uh, fit Wits would definitely help the likes of Miller just because of hit outs to advantage, like he just hit it straight to him. But, yeah, it is concerning. Obviously, I think in the last, prior to, to the game against Brisbane, he was he didn't lay any, any tackles in, the, in those two games prior to the Brisbane game, but he didn't, then he laid seven to eight eight tackles against Brisbane, which kind of saved his score. So he's one, as, as yeah, Jonas said, if if he uh, fails to hit the heights against Collingwood, then I'd be, yeah, something's not quite right there. Yeah, he might be maybe carrying a bit of an injury, um, which could be hurting him there. Um, so as Thomas alluded to, um, Zach Bailey was probably the best player um, just about the weekend, six goals, 135. Um, can he be a bit of a point of in point of difference option in the forward line, given that he is priced at uh, 471,000? What do you think, Thomas? Um, yeah, he's one that I would definitely pick in my side if he's not prone to these kind of 50 scores, because he's a freakishly good forward. He's seriously good forward to watch um he's very very clean he basically was a wet game up at uh up when they up where they played and um he looked like he was having having yeah having a dry footy there so he's a freakishly good talented footballer um unfortunately probably doesn't have the opportunities to run through the midfield as you'd want and i think that's the only thing stopping him from being a shoo-in into any person's side um i definitely pick him in draft but yeah he's one that i think you just have to wait with him um, and maybe, like, if you have an F6 spot um, to fill and then he's all of a sudden had a few poor scores and reached back down to 450 or something, then I'd definitely grab him. Um, but he's one that, yeah, six goals and 135 is a definitely good score. But as I said, he's prone to some of these real poor scores, and that's just because he gets stuck in the forward line sometimes a bit too much, which is, yeah, a little bit concerning. But he's one that I wish I could pick um, if I was able to because, yeah, he's, he's one of the best forwards going around, I think. Yeah, I think he's just got that natural eye for goal as well. I think he, he I think it was six goals straight. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think he's definitely just about Brisbane's best small forward outside of Cameron. 
Um, so moving on. So Clayton Oliver, which I think someone who all three of us had at some stage in our sides in the preseason, and I don't think any of us started with him. Um, scoring 160-80, he basically brought his own football in the middle there. Um, is he the number one trade target this week if you, you're after sort of a bit of a premium midfielder, Jonas? Yeah. Um, obviously, we, we know his ceiling, and whilst he's not like under 600k, his break-even 70, so... He puts in another strong game. You won't be seeing him at 620k for for at least a month. So I think um, he's one you'd probably want to get in right now, particularly given the fact he's copying a bit less attention with Petrarca, um, copying the hard tags a bit more. I think he's just a guarantee to be a top five midfielder, and at 620k, that's a price I'm happy to pay for. Now, obviously, just a bit of a side topic here. We are recording this, so we've just heard today that, uh, that I think four Melbourne personnel, including the coach, and I think three players are going to be out this week through the yeah. health and um, the COVID protocols. Um, does this change if one of those big midfielders, say Petrarca or... Gorn uh, put out in the protocols as well. Would that change your thinking, Jonas? Uh, it's been confirmed that it's uh, Sparrow, Jackson. I think it's Sparrow, Jackson, Pickett. Pickett, yeah. yeah. So yeah. probably At not. this stage, that's <clears throat> obviously where we're recording this. At this stage, it's just those three. But if, say, later on in the week, um, more come out from there and say it starts getting into that Gorn Petrarca range, does that affect you or are you still thinking he's number one regardless? If Oliver's lining up in the centre come the the start of the game, he'll be in my side. Yeah, pretty convincing there. Um, yeah, I think he's definitely someone who's probably going to come into most sides this week. As Jones said, break even the 73. So I think this is probably just about the cheapest you're going to get him. Yeah. Um. So, uh, Nick Vlosten, who probably had a really underrated career, to be honest, um, sort of come out a bit now that Dylan Grimes is out with injury. Um, scores of 98 and 155. He actually played as a loose defender against Melbourne and pretty much went neck and neck with Stephen May. Um, can he be a point of difference defender? Um, in our back lines, Thomas? Um, definitely not the worst pick in the world. I think he almost is that kind of Sicily mole where he's scoring quite nicely um, and he's priced unders. I think 460 is maybe a little bit overs. Obviously not for the not for the scoring-wise, but probably the namesake and, and how he scored in the past. Um, with likes of Basha Hooley going out, uh, Grimes, as you said, going out as well. He's now one of the main men down there, and I think... They're really utilising his intercept marking capabilities, and 155 is is very good. However, um, Melbourne also kicked 22 behinds as well, or something crazy. So the ball would have just very cheap one twos out of defence would have also been the case with Loston. Um, however, 98 beforehand is is definitely nothing to shy away from. I think it definitely helps that Gibkiss is one of the lockdown roller, even though he scored 100 as well. Um, Gibkiss is a as a small defender uh, as a back pocket as well um, helps Floster not having to do maybe the extra one-on-ones, but I think um, it really, I think it's, yeah, team dependent on if you want to bring him in. I wouldn't be against it. Um, probably not mostly ideal because if you have Short and Floster in both in defence, you're taking up two Tigers players with, with buys coming up as well. Um but I guess if you don't have short, perhaps Foster could be a cheaper option. 460K is not a bad price to pay for a defender. It's unders. You don't really want to be paying above 525, 30 often for defenders unless you're very confident they'll finish in the top six. Um, but, yeah, he's one that, you, as I said, similar mould to um, some other players we've talked on this episode is not the worst option in the world. And I think if you need a defender, I would be more inclined to pick him than against. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and obviously, on that going. The issue with Lawson, not only durability, but he has that 
round 12 buy, which is the worst buy, not only because it's the first buy, but you share that with Whitfield, Hewitt, Doherty, Ridley, Houston, and the like. And so I don't think yeah. buyers to be bringing in. Yeah, the buyers are killer, unfortunately, with him. Yeah, exactly. So I'd be waiting. I mean, if you're waiting on him, he's going to rise in price. But I just think he's a bit of an avoid, unless for some reason you don't have one of um, Hewitt or Short. I think if you've got both of those, you have to almost avoid um, Vlosten if you want to have a half-decent score in round 12. Yeah, and uh, I think the other big question mark on Vlosten is obviously Dylan Grimes is going to come back at some point. Um, what happens to his scoring once uh, Grimes comes back in? And the other thing I'll say as well is Melbourne had 64 inside 50s, so the ball basically lived in there, um, which obviously would have inflated his scoring because he just took mark after mark being the loose one. Um, so moving on, um, so Callum Mills, um, who I think was highlighted as sort of being a bit of a lockdown midfielder who can win the ball, um, which I think elevates him. Um, can uh, are you chasing points if you're bringing Mills in this week, Thomas? Uh, probably. Um, it was a bit annoying because we had the conversation last week when obviously Jonas was away. Um, speaking about that midfielder that you wanted to bring in, potentially if you wanted a premier midfielder, and he was one in the conversation um, that kind of got scared off a little bit with the Achilles injury and and his potential to throw in a few stinkers here and there. But he seriously smashed up Hawthorne. Um, basically, was everywhere. Um, and 214 or whatever he scored was nuts. Yeah, 214. And if you, if you had him, you're pretty much guaranteed kind of top 5 to 1% scoring for the week. Unfortunately, because of that 200, he's now 620k. He's jumped up about 50k, and he's going to jump up another 30k in a minute, and next week most likely. Um, and he game against Brisbane, who I could see him doing quite well, just because of the contested nature of the game. Um, yeah, I'd say you really wouldn't. I personally wouldn't want to pick 620k um, for him. I think that's a bit much. I will assume at some point he's going to go down, but. If you picked him last week, you'd be laughing. I think it was a really good decision to pick him then because he's going to score consistently. Uh, his low score is a uh, lowish for a midfield standard, but I guess you take a 70 and 80 here and there. Like Petrarca scored 87 on the weekend um, when everyone thought he was going to go gangbusters. So he's one that if you took the risk, it definitely paid off. But I'd say you're probably chasing points if you if you're getting him now, I think. Yeah, well, it's only in 2,840 sides, and I presume right. most of those sides would have had him, would have been probably somewhere up near the top, sort of two, three thousand, five thousand sides of the week, um, unless they've got spuds around him. Um, so after two consecutive hundreds, is Peter Ladham's a forward pod option. Um, he's 460k with a break even a minus 13. I still can't believe Paul Adelaide have actually got rid of him at the last trade period. But um, it is what it is. So what do you think, Jonas, about Laddams? Um, I think Hickey's progressing well, so he should be back in a few weeks, which will probably mean that Laddams is going to play predominantly forward, making him pretty much a dead pick. Yeah, I think I'd go along with that too. Um, and James Sicily, who someone I've had since the start, I've enjoyed watching him play. He's $532,000 now. Um, can you still bring him in, given he's got up 83000 on his starting price, Thomas? Um, you probably could, to be fair. Um, you'd hate to say it because you missed out on... You could get him 100 k cheaper. I think Nathan was the only person that did end up getting him which was pretty frustrating because I had him at some point throughout the preseason. Um, he's one that I just so consistent. I, it doesn't matter what role he plays, he just scores. Um, we obviously had our doubts about how Day, Giath, Impey, those those are the like Scrimshaw would affect his scoring, but he just seems to be that kind of general down back where he's a last-line defence, the ball always go through him at some point, takes kick out, similar, very similar to Tom Stewart, but... Almost does a better job down there, considering how young the Hawks are. Um, and like he just, he was on like eight at quarter time and still managed to score 116. So he's one that I think 
if you're needing someone, he's probably not a bad option now. Um, he's genuine top six material. I don't think Sam Mitchell will throw him forward unless there's a serious um, injury. You know, maybe both tall forwards go down for Hawks at some point, but I think he's going to stay down back. And he's captaining them for the next four weeks, so I'd assume he'd want to be staying in the good books of the MRO for those four six, four weeks or whatever. Um, so I'd expect, expect some pretty good scoring to come as well for him. Yeah, I'm surprised he hasn't been called up yet with Michael Christian, um, but yeah, I'm glad that I started him, although I have missed out on George Hood, but um, <laughs> I guess that was a trade-off. It was hard to pick between one of them. I think I went Hewitt and both, I mean, I went Sicily and both of you guys went with Hewitt, so I think we can say we're probably both one, even though Hewitt's scoring slightly higher, but um, Sicily's number five ranked defender and Hewitt's two. So, I mean, if you pick both of them, um, they were probably two really good um, starting plays in the end. Um, definitely got your money's worth there. Um, so moving on. Um, so who is your... I'm going to throw this one to both of you just very quickly um, because I think all three of us have Brody Graham there. Um, right now as we record this, what are you going to do with him, um, Jonas? What are you planning on doing with Grundy? Running the Bruce Hayes combination and crossing Bruce Hayes combination, gee, that's brave. <laughs> yeah, hoping that it doesn't fall to pieces. But I got Dixon at R three, who I can um, use Zeri. Yeah. He plays as a swing, and then around the bars, I'll try and get in like a Gorn. Yeah, and Tom, what are you planning on doing with Grundy at this stage? Yeah, um, I had this trade actually locked up prior to. Grundy getting injured, so it's actually worked out okay, considering Grundy had a miracle comeback and and basically won Collingwood that game well, did. with with the way he played, considering he was on one leg. Um, but yeah, Hayes will come in for Grundy, and then Clary will come in for Hay- Jack Hayes. Um, I really don't want to use a, use a third boost if there's like the likes of Sherry or stuff, but we'll, we'll see what comes out um, Thursday night when the teams drop. I'm hoping that Dixon can come in. Um, and replace Sherry for a week if that's the case. But I think it's a no-brainer with Grundy now out for, for 12 weeks, whatever, um, that I'm basically swapping in for Oliver and not losing much out because Hayes will sit on the bench. And, and I guess Bruce has shown that, I mean, obviously St Kilda lost um, Marshall for a bit. Obviously Hayes went down with the ACL, so that he basically played against Josh Battle. Um, having said that, even prior to that injury, he was on 40 on a quarter time. He's just a big presence for GWS and he wins hitouts for fun, even though they're not going to advantage at some times. But um, it's a pretty obvious trade for me, I think, at this stage. Yeah, and um, moving on as well. So um, obviously Anzac Day, big day. Um, Darcy Parrish once again tore apart other than Exeter winning 44 disposals. Um, including, I think it was on 30 at half time, which I think is a record this century. Um, but he only had 310 metres gained, and 31 of those 44 were handballs. Um, so, should you be concerned with Parrish and how he's using his disposals? Um, I'm going to throw this one to you, Jonas, because I think you are a Parrish owner. So, are you concerned with what Parrish is doing? First shout out to Parish, great, great man. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, I think the criticism has been a bit harsh. You look at Tom Mitchell; he does similar sort of things, and he needs Brownlow. Yeah, he he was able to average one thirty. Parish gets a lot of of the ball at the clearances. Lot of handballs, but he creates space for his teammates. So I think it's a bit critical to to say, oh, he's ineffective. It's just that his possessions aren't themselves damaging. It's it's what his teammates then do after he gives them the ball that gives Essendon a spark. And I think I'm I'm not that concerned with his his disposals. If you're getting 44 touches a game and you're not that effective, you're still scoring above 120 for that week. 
Um, I think Merritt and Stringer returning help him. Obviously, I'd love it if he'd kick the ball a bit more, but yeah, he handles. I think fun. you're getting you're getting four or five points anyway off a contested handball in a clearance in a in the in the center square, for instance. And I think he had like something like seven center clearances. Yeah, which he did. He had seven. I think the main concern is the fact that he's not laying that many tackles. That could be because of his small frame or whatever. But if he could just maybe lift um, his tackle count, given the amount of time he spends around the ball, he'd be maybe a 10-point higher player. Um, But I don't think there's any concern about him spending much time forward or being in a form slump. I just hope uh, he pulls up well for for this week against the Dogs and sort of I think that game was more a showing of how he went last year. If he can kick a goal, maybe tackle a bit more. Obviously, he's not going to get 40 touches each game, but then in saying that, he should be able to average hopefully 120 for the rest of the year. Yeah, and uh, just speaking of that, he had 12 clearances for the game and I think of those seven centre clearances, I think four of those were in the third quarter. Um, which is when Essendon sort of really sort of took control of the game in that third quarter. Um, although ultimately they didn't get over the line. Um, so Zach Merritt, so came back from injury. I think it was we were all quite surprised with this. I think they originally said he was out for eight weeks with that syndesmosis injury, and he was only back. He was back after only I think it was three weeks, and he scored 123. Um, which is quite impressive. Um, so Thomas, can he be a top six to ten midfielder, or do you think there's better options? Um, yeah, I definitely think he'd be top six to ten. I think the role he's in is actually very super coach efficient. Um, because he plays that kind of halfback role where he moves into the mid, back to halfback, moves to the mid. So he kind of gets the ball regardless where he plays. Previous to these 123, he scored like 116, 117. I think um, the issue with this at the moment is because he's priced pretty highly to start the season, he hasn't really dropped in price, even though his injury didn't really affect his scoring on the time that he got injured with his ankle. Um, So he's one I'd like to keep an eye on and and see if he can continue it for a bit of an extended period of time because, um, you know, I don't think he's going to, get the 150s and 60s in that role because he's kind of basically playing the same way he did in the midfield normally, but he's playing at at halfback where he gets a lot more pill and using it quite effectively because he's probably less under pressure. Um, So I think, I don't think we'll we'll have to pay overs for him, but I think it'd be one um, to keep an eye on for sure. Because I think if you can jump on him early enough, He's definitely a potential POD in the midfield that you'd be pretty happy with, I'd say, considering everyone's got the same picks going into the next couple of rounds. Yeah, and just one final one just before we wrap up. Um, what what would you do? I This is not on the run sheet because you guys can obviously see my face again. Yeah. Um, what would you do, Jonas, if you had Jordan Ridley and you saw that Zach Merritt's back in the side and he's playing off pretty much off the half-back line and Ridley's... Seems to have been a shallow player of what he was last year. What would you do with Ridley? Um, I think he's in a similar boat to Whitfield, where I think you've you've already copped so much pain out of the pick, so much poor scoring that I think the only way is up. And I mean, Hind wasn't playing. Um, I'd argue that you'd Hind, get rid of him. Hind, I think, came on as a medical sub, I think. Yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd potentially argue you get rid of him and jump ship with Ridley. I think with Ridley, his ceiling has disappeared because of what happens with Heppel. Now you've got Merritt additionally to Heppel and Redmond and Hind when he, when he's not Betty sub, obviously. Um, because the guy, Ridley, was on like 70-odd at halftime. Oh, not 70-odd, 60-odd at halftime or something, pretty high. And he completely petered out second half. So it is definitely a concern. Um, I know Spills, if you're listening, you, I think you've got him as well, Spiller. Um, so I don't know if it's What's worth his price? 473, I think. So I, I'd argue it's not a bad time to jump shit because 
he's still at a half solid price. Whereas Whitfield, the difference is I think Whitfield's scoring in AFL fantasy just shows he's getting the ball um, and just not using it as effectively. And he's, you know, scoring in patches, whereas Ridley's obviously shown he could score quite well, but it's now been a consistent period of time where his ceiling's basically 90 um, because he's not the per- not the player um, that he was once used to be, where he's the main kicker and everything would go through him, similar to like the Sicilies and, and Stewarts of the like, where Essendon probably now suffering for it, uh, flipping the ball too much in a defence. So I don't know if that will change, but I'd probably jump ship. If yeah, I was just myself. just touching on the price. So Ridley's four seventy nine four hundred, and Whitfield's four forty five. So um, yeah, I think Ridley still has some value in him. Yeah, but if it means that you're trading him and then not being able to continue your run of upgrading, then I'd hold and just wait for his buy. Yeah, I think that's what I'm going to do with Whitfield now. I think. I sunk with the ship. I think I'm either just going to keep him as a... I think we were speaking off air just before we started about Whitfield actually being the D7-M9 link and using him as that or trading him out at his buy. Yeah, um, that's fair. Anyway, I think that's all we got time for. Uh, I kept this one a little bit shorter and hopefully that's the way forward um, with a long season ahead. But um, we'll see how we go this week with the q and I know we've released this. This one will be released later on because of obviously Jonah's coming back later and, and some other commitments with, with other work and stuff. Um, but we'll hopefully get this out tonight or tomorrow. Um, and, yeah, the Q&A will be different, uh, interesting with, with I guess, um, trades now really ramping up. And as we said earlier on, everyone's pretty much got the same team. So to make any ground, you've got to – basically go outside the box or think out the other box a week earlier than everyone else if you can able to do that successfully. Um, I guess that, that'll correlate to a rank rise, hopefully, pretty quickly. But until then, um, we'll catch you around, and if not, enjoy uh, the round ahead. <laughs>